latest from Scotston. This is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors' official podcast. We are back. Hello and welcome back to Warriors Weekly. I'm your host, Glasgow Warriors media manager, Duncan Seller. And sitting across from me today is a man who's six foot eight. He's a second row. He has 30 caps for Glasgow Warriors. Warrior number 289, Kieran McDonald-Saran. Kieran, how are you? Not bad, yourself? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm good. We're, good we're doing this over the, Zoom. Good to be on the show. Aye, I'm glad, glad to have you on. We're doing it over Zoom. Uh, COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff. Got to make sure we're socially yeah. distanced. Um, I, I said there in the intro there, Kieran McDonald-Saran. Now, most people would know you as Kieran McDonald. Yeah. And I had to even clarify this with you myself before we, we started recording. But McDonald's actually your middle name and Saran is your last name, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So anything kind of official I was telling you about, um, like passport or birth certificate or whatever, it says my full name. So I kind of use it as a double barrel. Um, so Saran uh, is my dad's side. So he's uh, from India. So it's an Indian name. And that's why my first name, Kieran, is spelt different as well. Right. Um, so it's actually spelt K-I-R-A-N and there's no E. So in India, it would be pronounced Kieran, but in Glasgow, <laughs> it's Kieran. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, that's how mum um, and dad kind of decided, they said, right, we want a, my dad wants an Indian name, but mum says she wants the pronunciation to be um, of the Irish equivalent, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, McDonald's Saran, double barrel, I'll, I'll normally just use Kieran McDonald because it's, it's easy, and I guess no one asks questions about it. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you get any weird pronunciations of your first name then because of the spelling? Oh, yeah, big time. Like, um, even though people know my name is Kieran or I'll introduce myself as Kieran, they're all, they'll always see it on paper and go, ah, oh, Kieran or Kieran or, yeah. you know, although it is spelt that way, it's not pronounced that way. Aye, yeah. And, and what side of the family do you get your height from? At six foot eight, you know, is, is, it, is it your dad, is it your mum's? Well, it's kind of, it's a weird one actually. My papa on my mum's side was, I think he was six foot three, six foot four. Um, and then obviously when, you, when you're getting older, you don't really see that height in, in older folks. So um, yeah. they lose a bit of their height. Uh, so I think it must be from my mum's side because uh, my dad's side, they weren't that tall. Um, mm. But I think my mum's five foot four and my dad's five foot six. So I mean, it's not... Um, wow. So you're, ter- really, you're towering over. You don't really see the height from them, you know? Aye. That, that must mean like family photos and stuff like that. There must be just kind of just <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. their heads and then up to you really, yeah, isn't it? have to crop the photo, you know? Yeah. In order to get in the frame. Do, do your brothers and sisters, are they also tall? Or are you a... I, I do, yeah. I've got two, two older brothers, uh, Martin and Zaren. Um, they are... Zaren's probably about 6'3", I think. Um, and Martin's probably 6'1". Right, okay. So still quite tall, you know, yeah. over average height, but um, not quite as tall as me. I think, um, yeah. I think the mum and dad just got the perfection, you know, the recipe down at tea when they <laughs> I nailed it for the third one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I was reading off your stats there, and one of them I didn't read off was your weight because having a little look yeah. about, we have you on our website is 109 kilograms, which I feel like is a little low. And yeah, then Wikipedia not, has you at 116. Low. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of go between about 112 and 116. So yeah, um, I think I'm currently sitting at about 1 114, but. Um, Ideal weight is probably about 116, but my playing weight is now is about 114 kg. So, right, okay. um, a wee bit lighter than your average lot, put it that way. Yeah, but aye. I think it. I think it suits my kind of style of play. I can get about the park and 
um, and not have to worry about shifting an extra 10 Ks, you know? Yeah, I, well, because that's what it is. You are probably a, a bit of a dynamic ball carrier. You're kind of a little bit like Scott Cummings as well, aren't you? You, you do yeah, kind of yeah, run yeah, lines yeah, sure. and stuff like that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just um, having carrying a bit, of, a bit of speed, you know, like we're quite, um, Scott is pretty fast and I think we're pretty similar on the old speed. So, um, yeah, I like that kind of style of play. So I don't want to be too heavy, um, which might stunt the, the speed side of things. So, um, but no, it's, it's good being able to get around the park and not have to, again, carry that extra bit of weight, you know? Yeah, because in the last two of our last three games, so last last game we played was Exeter, but weekend before mm-hmm. was Dragons, and the weekend before that was Cardiff Blues. Both yeah. Dragons and Cardiff Blues, you made line breaks off basically supporting lines that you were running anyway, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I, it, was, it was great. I mean, obviously me getting the line break is down to the guys that do the work before, so the initial ball carry, I think... Um, it was Pete Horn a couple of times. He had some great footwork. I thought he played really, really well, and um, especially the uh, the Cardiff game down at um, Dragons. Yeah. You know, his footwork was just was great. He was getting um, he was getting gain line pretty much every carry, which was awesome. So running those support lines was easy because he'd already made the break, um, and it was the same again. I think in the um, the Ospreys game. Uh, when she's Grant Stewart made the break, good yep. carry, done to the defender, and then just offload, which makes it easy for a support player, you know? Yeah. Just hold your feet and then kind of charge through and hope for the best. Aye, because even like the Dragons game, I think it, was, it might have been Grant again that made the break, pop to you, you run up almost yeah. to the line, get, yeah. ta- get tackled, pop it inside, and then you get it again, don't you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that was the, sorry, the Dragons game, that was right, yeah. not the Ospreys. Um, yeah, so... I think it could have been, yeah, it was, it was Grant, and then I made the break, Bracey was on my left, so he popped it to him, he got tackled and then popped it to me again, yeah. um, but then we got the penalty advantage, which was good, because he got tackled off the ball, which was unlucky, but um, so close to the line, you know, it's pretty pretty cynical, I guess. Yeah, and, and we're talking here about the line breaks that you make, but after 30 caps, you're still waiting for your first try. It must be just around the corner. Yeah, court. well, um, down in Dragons last season, I got I scored a try, but it was disallowed because... Oh, of, I remember well, that, yeah. The ref, ref pulled the back. It was, a, it was a class finish, to be fair. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he pulled it back because it was crossing. But we'd already taken the kick. Um, so, technically, the ref couldn't take, take it back, but he still did. Um, so, I don't know, but... Bit of uncertainty about the rules there, but um, yeah, yeah, it should have been, it should have been a try, it should have been allowed. And have you, have you scored any in preseason at all, or, or are you still actually waiting for an official try for Warriors? No, I've not scored any in preseason. Um, I've scored some in training games, like f- full on training games at, at Scotsland, but um, no, uh, no tries in my in the caps that I've got so far. Not yet, not yet. Well, well, Darcy scored his first official one against Leicester exactly. to go after exactly. 76. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think we'll hopefully get one from you before Aye, hope for me, hope for me, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, during this season of Warriors Weekly, I've asked everyone that's come on, off the back of Ryan Wilson's podcast at the start of the season, where he was talking yeah. about kind of club culture and things like that. Um, the players, when they join us, they have to stand up in front of the group and talk about their rugby career, about their family and their hidden talent. So I'm going to ask you, Kieran, what is your hidden talent? Uh, good question. I guess um, probably not Not many folk know, but I used to play the violin at a right. pretty, pretty high level. I think I got up to a grade, grade seven, um, and there's eight grades in music, really, so, yeah. or eight grades that you can sit. So I got up to grade seven. I passed 
my grade six um, exam um, with, I think it was only merit, um, so it was a pass, so that was good. <laughs> and then I played like grade seven um, pieces, so that was cool. Um, although I didn't really, it was always quite embarrassing for a guy to play the violin at, at my when I was growing up, you know. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it to a certain degree, and then obviously sport and stuff like that came around, and I was kind of it was either play the violin or go out and play football or rugby with your Aye. mates at, at lunchtime, you know. So, um, but no, I, I can still pick it up every now and then and give a few tunes, but I think I'll need a need a bit of practice before I bring it on here. Nah, I, I guess a violin's a rare one. You know, people who like maybe had guitar or even like things like bagpipes. Yeah. Sometimes there's yeah, there's yeah. a chance people can yeah. get to go. Oh, can I have a play? But I feel like a violin, you have to be in a very niche scenario to be able to. Whack yeah, that yeah. Out, you know? I think I think they say like between all the instruments in the world, like um, piano and the violin are one of the hardest, or a stringed instrument, um, yeah. like a viola or a bass or whatever. But certainly a violin, piano are pretty pretty hard to play. But um, I enjoyed playing fiddle. So that's obviously the Scottish equivalent. It's the same thing, but yeah. just different music and kind of different uh, techniques and whatever. So, um, no, I enjoyed it. And I still love Scottish music. So, yeah, um, it's good to whip out a wee jig every now and then, you know. Uh, <laughs> has that transitioned at all into any other instruments? Obviously, you know, under Dave, it was a big thing after games was, you, you know, we'd pick uh, up... You'd get a wee sing song and stuff. Like, yeah, um, guitar. I guess, like, I've, I've tried to play the guitar, but it's one of those things, unless you put your mind to it, it's quite hard to pick up. Yeah. Um, so I can I can play like a few chords and a few wee kind of riffs and stuff, but not uh, nothing <laughs> nothing good, you know. Yeah. You can you can if I picked up a guitar, you wouldn't be able to say, "Oh, that guy plays a guitar." Nah, not not quite at that stage, you know. But um, I guess like being quite musical, um, you know, you can kind of pick up a, an instrument and and learn it reasonably easy, I guess. Yeah. I, and do you, do you have that ear? Can you can you tell like yeah, just notes and things like that? Are you, are you pretty yeah, good yeah. at that? If you've got a good uh, good ear for music, then you can kind of you can sing a wee bit, or Aye. you can uh, yeah, you have a you have a good understanding of the beat of the music, you know. Yeah, Aye, exactly. And now you're another guy again. I guess in our second episode this season, we had Sam Johnson mm-hmm. on, and, and yeah. we were to Sam about his dog Franklin. Now you're another guy who got a puppy just before lockdown. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got to see a little bit of her uh, when you did your workouts during your Instagram story <laughs> takeover for Glasgow right, Warriors. Pretty, pretty small. I think that must have been literally within a week or so of getting her. So she was only maybe 10, 11 weeks at that point. Yeah. So she's, she's grown. She's just sitting down there, Is she? sleeping, um, waiting for me to. Play about with her, chuck a ball or something like that in the garden. I don't know. <laughs> Sky's her name, isn't it? Sky, yeah, that's right. Yeah. After the island, because um, the reason we call the Skies um, because Sky is one of my favourite places in the world. Right. Such a such an awesome place, like with the mountains and the. Um, it's obviously right in the sea, so. Yeah. Um, some beautiful spots, great seafood, um, great scenery, views, uh, and the people are really nice as well. Is that um, where you're going to go and retire to? Is it? Oh, I don't know about that. It's a bit far away, isn't it? I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Plenty of years for that to come anyway. Yeah. But, but you're, you're kind of a big outdoorsman, aren't you? Like, you're kind of, I guess, I always seem to see on your Instagram right. and stuff like that, you're out and about, whether that's like hill walking or Monroe bagging and things like that. Yeah. I think um, from a very young age, you know, I was always kind of um, into doing something adventurous, you know. Like, I know a lot of people nowadays, you know, kids will be interested in playing games and playing, playing a PlayStation and Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. But yeah. um, 
I think when I was growing up, it was never really a thing. So you always had to be out and about doing stuff. So um, that kind of spurs the the whole outdoor stuff. Um, and it's pretty pretty awesome getting up the top of a hill um, after it's been chucking it down and then it suddenly clears up and you've got a view of the whole... It feels like the whole world you're looking down on, but um, yeah, it's only a small snippet or snapshot of what Scotland's got to offer. But yeah, really, really enjoy it. Kind of used to do a bit of mountain biking, a bit of canoeing, stuff like that. Um, just kind of general outdoor stuff, you know? Yeah. Right. And you, you go with a fair few of the guys, like, you know, yeah, like, like Paddy Kelly, Alex Allen, yeah. stuff like that. You're, there's a group yeah, definitely. Um, you know, those boys are the same. Um, all kind of similar age groups, so, uh, and similar kind of mindset. We enjoy getting out and about. And I guess it's like a stress buster as well. So, I mean, if you've, you've had a tough couple of weeks at training or you've been playing, you're carrying a couple of wee knocks and just want to get your head right, you get up in the, get up in the highlands or... Um, even along to Ben Lomond, you know it's not that far away, half an hour from Glasgow, and you're, you know, you, you feel like you're in the Highlands, so, um, which is I guess the start of the Highlands, I guess, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to get away and just chill, and you know, guys that are in the same same mindset as you, and and you can go enjoy it, you know, bit of camping, you know, couple of beers, take them up, yeah, good food, Aye. good banner, it's it's fine, you know, it's good fun. It must be pretty handy as well, like, you know, on days off where, you know, as a pro player, you have interesting and weird days off, whether that be kind of Mondays or Wednesdays and stuff like that. Yeah, it must be handy yeah. to then have other guys that can basically have those same days off and yeah, right. away you go up a hill. Yeah, because even if you've got a long weekend, you know, it doesn't take that long to get where you want to go. So um, I think the last one we did was up in Glencoe. Um, did a hill called the, the Bucolette of Moor, which is one of the most, um, I think it is the most photo- photographed hill in the UK. Really? Um, it's pretty tall as well, but it's not the, it's obviously not the tallest. Ben Nevis is the, the biggest one in the UK, but it's a great, great hill. And it's, um, it just looks like a, a triangle, you know, when you look yeah. at it from the front. But then once you get up the side and kind of scramble a little bit, it's, um, it kind of starts to flatten out the top, which most of them, most of them do in Scotland, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did that with a group of us, um, and that was kind of after lockdown had eased. We were allowed to travel, and um, and luckily they had a they had a pub open up there as well. So we camped we camped tonight, um, and we took a couple of beers, uh, food, steaks, and stuff like that, just to have on the night before. Um, went a wonder with the dogs, and then came across this pub, and everyone was drinking beers outside. So we're like. Maybe I would get a pint here. I didn't Aye. realize that because obviously the whole tier system, um, and we found this pub, so it was, it was brilliant. We didn't actually need to buy all those beers, we just just pop on the pub, which was two minute walk away from the tent, yeah, and get a couple of beers in. So it was good. Who, who all was that with? So that was myself, Alex Allen, Paddy Kelly, James Malcolm, and Adam Nickel. That's oh, a fair squad, then, yeah, it was a good, good squad, and then, um. Alex brought his dog, so my, my dog's not quite old enough to, to get up the hills yet. So yeah. um, another another month or so, and she'll be she'll be good to go. Yeah. And do you keep track of the Monroes you've done? Are, are you a Monroe bagger who, or are you? Just yeah, gonna... I, I, I used to kind of. Well, once we started, the first one I did was with Paddy and his parents up in Inverness, and um, I was like, oh god, I'm struggling here because quite a you know heavy heavyish guy going up a hill. It's not like it's not my usual thing, but now I've got got into the swing of it, and you definitely get a, a bit of fitness to go up the hill. You know, it's different. Like hill fitness is different from 
running fitness on the ground, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I keep a log of all the all the ones I've done. I think I'm on about twenty or something like that. Um, right. But I just I don't I don't count them as such. I just I write a wee note in the book um, who I did it with, what the weather was like, any funny stuff that happened on the hill. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of look back at it, or or the book itself is a great book because you can. It tells you everything you want to know about that particular Monroe. It tells yeah. you the route, the height, um, duration, difficulty, um, anything you should look out for, you know. So it's it's a great, great book. Um, and I just kind of write it on the page. Yeah. Um, and you can literally flick through it one day and go, right, or whatever page it stops at, I'll go up and do go up and do that particular hill or group of hills. It's yeah, quite yeah. cool. Have you got one that you're eyeing up? Is is there a is there one that you just haven't had a chance to go to? One that's maybe on an island somewhere? Or? Obviously, Ben Nevis is a absolute cracker. It's the biggest one, but there's so many different routes you can do. Obviously, of course, um, yeah. you've got the normal path, then you've got a couple of ridge routes you can do. Um, but the main kind of winter style of climbing in Scotland is obviously ice climbing. Yeah, um, which would be really cool. But I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon. I think maybe that's one for after. <laughs> retiring from rugby Aye, would that be a breach uh, of contract would it uh, maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously we've been talking about hill climbing there a lot but the reason I've actually got you on today is to chat to you about kind of your journey to pro rugby because yeah. if I'm right in thinking like you started playing rugby later than most and you maybe didn't have the kind of the most straightforward path into pro rugby you kind of I wouldn't say stop start I think that's maybe unfair to say but it's, yeah. it's been maybe slightly kind of roundabout a little bit would you, would you agree with that yeah, absolutely. I think stop start maybe is the is the phrase you would use because at the time when I started playing rugby, um, I played my first rugby game at school, but it wasn't a, a, a school that was, you know, renowned for its rugby or sport. We we played football and hockey and stuff as as most kind of um, non private schools do, you know. Um, yeah. And we were good at it. We were good. We we held our held our own in competitions, but it wasn't in a competition with the private schools. Yeah. Obviously, because that's what they do. Like they'll have after-school hockey, uh, tennis, football, rugby, all that stuff. Um, yeah. And we kind of just had the, you know, the local lads that would bring in a football lunchtime and just kick the kick the crap out of each other and, on the pitch. But um, it was good fun at the time. So I I played I played a bit of fo- um, football, basketball, uh, and rugby at school. Um, and it wasn't until one of my mates at school said, oh, you should come down and join um, a local rugby club, which was west of Scotland. Um, and I went down for a couple of training sessions, but at that time I was I was doing other things like outside of school. Um, like I joined the, the cadets and stuff like that, which was cool. That was a good um, that was a good couple of years doing that. And that was kind of the a bit more adventure stuff, bit of flying and, and, and stuff like that. But um, I then went to college Played a bit of rugby there. I was at City Glasgow College because um, my grades weren't quite good enough at that year to get into the um, degree at uni I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of fell through. I passed my my, my college. Uh, it was an HND, I think, or, or HNC, sorry. And uh, then rugby kind of took a an upwards, you know, a bit of a peak, you know. Um, yeah. And I joined. Uh, Glasgow Hawks under 18s so I was still like, I just turned 18 going into college and then played a bit of rugby there so then someone said come down we'll have a look um, 
and see if we can get you on the team. So played there for like six months. Uh, it was great, you know, like just kind of completely alien to the whole club set up and, um, you know, joining in with the boys. But I guess like being part of a team was always something that I, I wanted. Yeah. Whether a small team or a big team doesn't really matter. Um, as long as the, the lads were, you know, kind of welcoming, I, I suited me fine, you know. Um, then after that, I joined Aki's, which I still consider to be my, my home club. Yep. Uh, Glasgow Academicals, that is. Um, and a lot of the players that go there are from Glasgow Aki's, the school, um, just in the West End. So really, really nice folk. Made me, let me settle in really well, felt really welcome. Um, and then opportunities start to to arise, you know, like um, a couple of academy coaches and stuff wanted to see me. And I think they, they saw a big, a big lanky guy and... And their mindset was maybe you can't teach height, which is an old old saying in rugby. Yes. Um, I was absolutely shocking. You know, I, I didn't I didn't know a line out from a scrum. You know, yeah. um, you could have stuck me in the backs, and I still wouldn't have known. I just got the ball and run. That was my thing, um, and it seemed to work for me. Uh, and eventually, I joined the academy um, after a kind of six month trial period, which was was bloody tough because I was really light. I was about 90, 99 kilos. Yep. And within that six, seven month period, I got to about 110 kilos. Jeez. Um, so, and that was, and it wasn't fat. It was, it was good. You know, it was good weight. It was good. It was pushing me in the gym, pushing me on the, on the pitch. Um, <clears throat> so was that full time for those six months? Yeah, it was full time, um, completely unpaid, which was a bit, um, a bit rubbish at the time. But um, that was to get to the step, the next stage where, um, I eventually got an academy contract. Yeah, and it was it was a it was a fine line between almost not getting an academy contract because this whole team and rugby environment was completely alien to me, and professional rugby was alien to me. So I was quite I was struggling with it, you know, struggling getting up early, like super super early in the morning to get to training. I didn't have a car, so I had to travel by two trains to get to training. Really, where, where, were you, where were you coming from at that so point? So we were, we were training out in Broadwood, so that meant getting a train, um, which is uh, kind of Hamilton, uh, sorry, uh, Hamilton direction, isn't it? I think. Um, or Broadwood. A non Glasgow native, I, I would know. know. I um, it's, it's near Croy Station, put it that way. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I had to travel to Glasgow Central from my, my local train station and then get another train. And sometimes, you know, what ScotRail's like, they're cancel the trains for no reason there's a bit of rain and then all of a sudden there's a 20 minute half an hour delay on trains so that mean, meant I missed some training mornings or turned up late um, and that uh, pushed over onto some of the Glasgow stuff even though it was only essentially five six minute car car journey away the traffic in the morning meant that I couldn't really get a taxi because I would get I would get stuck in the um, traffic which happened a couple of times um, and I had to get two trains to swap over in order to go one way, then come back to Scotland the other way. Yeah. Um, and I think the coaches kind of were like, "Oh, this guy's not really interested." So um, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, they they stuck by me, and I got an academy contract for a year. Um, and then I left because I wasn't getting kept on. Um, I think I had a couple of injuries. Um, a couple of injuries that, that kind of messed me up a little bit um, 
physically and mentally. You know, it's really draining when you miss a full season on a from a knee injury. You know, um, and then you're back to square one. Like, where do you stand? You've not played any rugby. You've not you're not trained much. Um, you're fit and you're strong, but apart from that, there's not much going for you. So yeah. I had to kind of put the the balls deaf in my court. You know, I had to go and. I almost had to go away to come back, which ended up happening. I moved down to Hull um, for six months because originally Hull offered me a contract. Um, you know, um, a lot of national sides or national league teams have got a good bit of backing from sponsors and stuff. So they offered me a, a wage, a kind of retainer, match fee, um, and, a, and a flat, which was cool. Um, and I thought, this is, this is it. I've made it. This is brilliant. Yeah, uh, but even though it was only like uh, national two or, or three down down um, down south, right? Which was, which was a great great club. Um, you know, I thank them for the, for the opportunities as well, and I, I'm still really really friendly with the guys down there. Um, but yeah, on the way down, my agent actually called me at the time. He was like, "Yeah, you've got you've signed it. Um, we've got your contract at Glasgow. Like you've got a." You've got a deal for next year, and I was like, "No way! Do you want me to turn back up the road now, or yeah, or continue?" He's like, "No, no. You go down, you play, play at Hull. You, um, you honour the contract, and you, and you do, you know, come back up in the best shape you can." And um, yeah, it worked out really well. It was almost was, like you had to had to go away to come back. Was it a full season at Hull then? So, so you you went no, down? No, it wasn't. I actually went down for a trial game um, because I knew a couple of guys from Glasgow. Um, who played down there, right? And now live there, um, uh, and I've and I've got partners and, and houses and stuff like that down there. So um, they kind of set it up for me and said, "Look, why don't you come down? It's a great club, great bunch of lads. Um, I think you really settle in here. And if you've not got any um, any other options, then you know definitely come down and see how it goes. Yeah, you know who knows what can happen. Get picked up by a side down there, or whatever. Um, so I did that, and then. Lasted about five, six months down there um, till the end of the season. Um, we got to the semi-finals of the cup, the Yorkshire Cup, um, and I think we came second in the league. We all, we I think a lot we um, came second by by a point or two. So yeah, and then the boys ended up winning the league and the cup the next year, right. which was awesome. So obviously I left at that point. And we'll get rid of him. And we'll Aye. win the league. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was that was a great eye opener. Um, Really physical league, um, big guys. You know, some of the biggest guys I've actually played with will play down there. It's the same in the championship, you know, because it's a, I think it's a pathway for, for guys going up and down the championship into um, full time pro rugby and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a it was a great great eye opener. Do, do you look back on that time at, at Hull as kind of like the good old days kind of thing with with nostalgia or? or... Uh, yeah. Cause those are some of the fun the funnest times I've had like playing rugby. Obviously, like when you're when you're a youngster, you're, you know, you turn up to the club and it's like, there's there's obviously a big culture of family at clubs. Yeah. Um, every club you go to, especially, you know, in Scotland. Um, and obviously you enjoy the the wins, but you also enjoy the, the losses in, a, in the club game, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like no matter what the result is, you still you still get back and together with your mates, you have a couple of beers at the bar and then you you move on to the next game. Um, and I guess it's the same in um, professional rugby as well. Like no matter what, you're still tight as a group. You because you've got to, otherwise you're just gonna. It's not gonna work for you, you know. Yeah, yeah. And when you when you went down there, and obviously then you knew you had this you had this Glasgow contract. 
Did that make things easier, harder for when you were playing? Did, did like did it spur you on to the motivation? I think I think it made it harder to be fair because in my mind it was like I've got that sitting there for me. So I, I almost kind of do I play conservatively, not get injured, not pick up niggles, to then give myself the best opportunity to to get picked or to to settle into the team. Yeah. Um, but after a period of time, I just you know, and my girlfriend was up here. Um, my partner Cara, she was up here um, working um, and commuting down. So I would sometimes go back up to Glasgow if there was a spare weekend, a few weekends, she'd come down to Hull. So I think that was quite hard as well, but it spurred me on to to play well, um, make it as um, as good a time possible to prepare me for getting into the, the setup at Glasgow. Yeah. And, and am I right in thinking that at that while down at Hull, you met George Thornton? Who yeah, that's right. Uh, George is up at Glasgow as well. So he, um, I don't know if we actually played together. I think we maybe played once or twice on the park together. But because um, he was at a, um, a college called Bishop Burton College, which is like a, there's there's sports, there's um, there's equine stuff as well, like what with the horses. Um, there's uh, teaching courses and stuff. So he was on a he was on a course, and then he would live at Bishop Burton, but. Bishop Burton, the, the college team took precedence over playing for Hull. Really? So because he would, that's his, that was his uh, degree or right. uh, course. So he had to play, play with them first. Um, but he could also play for Hull. Um, obviously, if his body let him. But I think it was only once or twice when they played together. But um, no, it was good fun when when I heard that he was uh, he was coming up the road. It's a good lad. Yeah. Do you have any stories from him from that time, or was it just kind of a again you uh, too much? Oh, there's plenty of stories, but I don't think any appropriate for <laughs> <laughs> for a Zoom call, you know. But ah. um, no, really, really good lad, very funny, um, and just a just a good uh, good team bloke, you know. So yeah, um, but yeah, but obviously he was he was away as a, as I say at uh, Bishop Burton, so the actual time we spent together wasn't. Um, wasn't a great length of time, but within that time, it was good fun, you know? Yeah, aye. And then, I, I want to take a pause and ask you some second row questions, but before we do that, when you came back up to Glasgow, was it a bit of a culture shock? And I'm going to ask you a second question as well, is um, Hamish Bain has come to us from, from Stade Nisois, and there's been a lot of kind of people talking about him and, and how, again, he, he came quite raw, and he had lots of things he kind of needed to work on and things to mm. develop on because he'd been playing in a... I guess a much more physical league and I guess a, a lower league. Did you, mm-hmm. what, what was, was there a culture shock for you? And two, did you see some similarities <clears throat> that you saw when you came? I think like, well, obviously Hamish is a young guy. And when I arrived at Glasgow, I was a young guy as well. So it's hard for, it is like, don't, no doubt at all. Like if you're a young lad, there's so much pressure on you because there might not be a lot of pressure on you as such, but you feel it because you're a young lad. Yeah. You've never been in that position before, so you you feel it because you've got all these big time players, you know, Scotland players, uh, Lions players um, on the odd occasion, and you know you've got to compete with them um, and also try and be friends with them as well. So that's like you've got your own wee friend group back home or the young guys in the academy, which maybe have been there for a year or two before you, so they're already kind of nice and settled at the club, but. Yeah. As soon as a new boy arrives, you're like, oh, this is going to be uh, 
quite hard to start off with, but as soon as you as soon as you find your feet, you you settle in and you get you get stuck in, you know. So yeah, uh, I think I think um, yeah, Beno's a a really good lad. He's um, really focused as well, which is which is really good, um, and obviously a big a big unit as well, big lad, um, yeah, big strong boy as well. So uh, no, he was he'll definitely have these opportunities to to show what you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and you kind of hinted at it there that you're coming in and you're, and you're playing with guys that are, like, yeah, you've got high profile guys. And yeah, I know, I know this season obviously we had a few injury rules at second row, but like when everybody's fit, it must be a really competitive position with us. You know, you've got Leone Nakarawa, you've yeah. got, we've got Hamish Bain, we've got yourself, we've got Scott Cummings, you've got Richie Gray, you know, Rob yeah. Harley can fill in at the row. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, like, when, uh, I remember when, when obviously Johnny signed for Exeter, yeah. it was kind of a, a kind of a relief because obviously he's, he was number one lock, essentially, you know, him and Scotty. Yeah. So it was kind of a relief for me. I was like, oh, I might actually get some game time this year. But, um, and then obviously Naxi comes back, we sign Richie, Rob's playing well. Uh, he's always solid. Um, does uh, does everything really well, you know? Kind of the, the unseen work, which is what you what you want, is an absolute grafter. But it's so hard for for other guys to to get in, obviously, to um, to show what you can do if other guys are playing well. And obviously, this whole wealth of experience. So, um, but yeah, as you say, it's it's super competitive, and that definitely brings an edge to training um, and games. So, what once you get your opportunity, you know, you need to you feel like you've got to show what you can do because otherwise they're going to put those guys back in ahead of you. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What would you say is your point of difference in the second row compared to the other players? Um, going back to what we were speaking about earlier on, I think like the, the ball carrying side of things, um, getting on the end of offloads and keeping the ball alive and a bit of, adding a bit of pace to the game, I think that's my, that's my difference. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I, I think I'm a physical player. Um, so and I hope other people can agree. But uh, yeah, so I think that's my that's my point of difference. Yeah, and then and then as a group of second rows, how does the dynamic work between you all? Like, who who are there guys that are designated lineout callers or like? That's a good question. Yeah, kind of like- I think um, I think it comes with experience because when you when you first join. Like I'd I'd called lineouts before, but never anywhere near as complex as some of the stuff we have now. Yeah. Um, and it was always like the old school four two zero H. You know, yeah. you'd call that in the line when you're you know you're looking at the hooker, and then everyone would think about the call and do it. Yeah. But now it's all about pre-call. Right, we're going to do this, but we've got a tempo option of this move, so I could call a. A yes or a one or a yeah orange or whatever you know so uh, and it all means different things but it comes down to experience and obviously confidence as well so it is it's a lot of pressure on you because you've got to look at what the opposition are doing and then come up with a call that will suit winning the ball you know yeah. you've got to win the ball in a section that they're not in yeah um so yeah i mean scotty's really good at it. obviously does it for scotland um Richie, loads of experience, he's doing it as well. Rob calls, um, I call, and Bano calls as well. So um, the last couple of games when I've been paired up with Rob, 
Um, Rob's done some of the six and seven man lineouts, and I've maybe done five, four, and three man lineouts. Right. Um, so I guess it's like, um, yeah, a, a different understanding for the different setups. Yeah. Um, and obviously sharing the load. So Rob can think about those ones, or another player can think about those ones, and then you can think about the rest. So yeah. you've got them, you know, down to a T in your. In your armory, that's what you know you're going to use, and then someone can focus on something else, which makes it a lot easier, I think. You know, instead of having to know everything. Yeah, and I know last season there was kind of a split between the like the the second rows, and some guys led on the attack, and some guys led on the, led on the defense. Yeah, yeah. obviously, I think, the, I think the, the honest, when it comes to defense is everyone needs to have a complete understanding of, and in attack as well, you need to know exactly what they're doing, um, but. We've got defensive leaders and attack leaders in yep. plays and setups and line out scrums, all that stuff. So it comes down to that. Um, and I think if you're a, a line out attack caller, you also should be a line out defense caller as well because you can see what's happening. You know the setups um, and you just chat it up. You know if you're if you're in a mirror defense or a you know something else mm-hmm. um, like a different zone defense. Then I guess. Um, you can see what's happening. You can call it accordingly. You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and I've got, I guess, two kind of really, I guess, geeky second row questions for you. So, right. you know, I, I haven't, I've never played obviously to anywhere, anywhere near your level, but I played the club right. game and lifting blocks. Now at the club <laughs> game, lifting blocks, I've seen everything and anything used. I've seen people use rolled up uh, socks. I've seen people use pieces of old foam, uh-huh. and, and and people do their own lifting. You know tape themselves up themselves some bring their own tape because obviously clubs mm-hmm. can afford it some yeah, clubs yeah, yeah. get your own tape but for a professional second row two questions one what do you use for lifting blocks and two I'm assuming from stories I've heard it's you guys still do tape up your own lifting blocks and, and does, does that is that a, does that come down to your personal preference or is there some kind of kind of negotiation between you and your lifters as to yeah. how you set your stuff up <laughs> well you've obviously got to make it easy for your lifters because it's not it's not a it's not an easy thing to lift a guy, you know, some, some guys are 120 kilos, you know, you've got yeah. two guys lifting, but you've got to be, you've got to give your best shot at actually lifting this guy that's 120 kilos. So, um, yeah, lifting blocks are really important because it helps you get that extra grip on the front of the legs. Obviously you don't have any lifting blocks at the back yeah, because you've got the guy's, ass pretty much you know you've yeah. got you lifting him so um it's a it's a lifting block in itself pretty much but uh yeah so lifting blocks i use like a kind of a foam foam bar about that about that size which maybe like what five or six five inches or something yeah and um it's kind of a you know it's almost like a tube um and then just tape over it because every time you tape on with your lifting tape, it just rips it apart. So tape it up, protect it a little bit, and then you can use it for, for as long as you want, as long as it lasts. So yeah. it's ultimately just to give you that extra bit of grip to lift, lift the guy. So you want to be fully, fully locked out um, at the top of your lift, and he wants to be at the top of the jump when he meets the ball. So um, it definitely gives him that bit of extra, extra grip to chuck him up there. Yeah. 
And, and it, do, you, do you ever, yeah, I, I guess, is there ever kind of a negotiation with, with your props at all? Does anyone ever tell you, actually, hang on, I prefer them this way? Or is it all up to you? Uh, I guess, like, sometimes sometimes you forget your blocks in training and you don't have any, so you need to make them out of, like, wee felt pads. Or, and those are terrible because there's no, they're like, that thin, they're tiny, so they don't get any grips. Just the tape, you get a grip off. So, mm-hmm. And then the, the props and our lifters are like, what are you doing with that, man? Get a, get a proper set of blocks in your legs. Aye. Um, you boys have got these kind of like sleeve ones, don't they? As well, like yeah, a lot, a lot of the boys um, we used to use them in training, but now they're not as good as the actual blocks. So we go right. through a hell of a bit of tape, you know. Like to, some guys will tape their legs twice a day because we've got uh, training in the morning, which will be like uh, scrums and lineouts. You have your lunch and gym, and then in the afternoon you'll have the team session, which will involve going through plays. So that's lineout scrums and all that. So. Yeah, so no point. No point in having the tape on your legs the whole day. So right. guys, tape up in the morning, take it off, and then tape up in the afternoon. So they must go. I don't know. What, I don't want to know what the tape bill will be at Glasgow. Right, it'll be crazy. There's, there's always just a tape. There's, a, there is just a table full of tape. There's just yeah, a, it's just a table of tape. Yeah, right, boxes and boxes of it. It's wild. It's wild. So, so go, going back to, I guess, where, where we are now with you. So yeah. you, you came back to Glasgow. Was that three and a half, I guess, three and a half seasons ago almost now? I guess it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, it might be into the four, fourth season now, I think. Fourth season now. Four, yeah. Right. And, right. and how, how, have you, how have you found your kind of development since you came back? Because I'm right in thinking when you left Glasgow, you, you hadn't actually played for us officially. You played for some A games, but you actually hadn't made your yeah. debut. Yeah. debut and I think it was, it was August or September 2017. Uh, it was November. November. November 2017 against Ospreys down in uh, down at Ospreys, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think like obviously you can train train well and prepare well, but actually getting the game time, that's what really makes a difference for you. That's what gets you the experience, that's what gets you the um, to the next step of your game, next level of your game. So I was so grateful to have the, the games that I've played, you know. Um, some seasons have been better than others, you know. Um, getting strings of games, unfortunately, picking up wee niggles and um, and then other guys come into the position and they play well and it's hard to get back in the team. But I think definitely when you're performing well, you can it shows off on you, it rubs off on you, you know. So you, yeah. you've got that confidence, that wee bit of spring in your step to say, I can, I can compete at this level, I can perform at this level. So... Definitely, game time is a massive thing. Plays with you, your mind, your how you see, how you focus in the game. So, um, any any players coming through that need to get the game time, eventually it will come and they'll just something will click and they'll just start playing well. Yeah. Um, consistently, I think, which is you know such an important thing for a professional sport, not just rugby, but anything you know, like playing well. And continually playing well is um, is a big thing. Yeah, and because because last season at the start of last season you you strung a fair few games together and really kind of mm-hmm. did make an impact and you caught everyone's eye. Like the, the 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 moment that stands out in my mind is is the end of the Kings game, where you'd be named man of the match, and then straight after man of the match, it was also your birthday that day, wasn't it as well? It was yeah, your, yeah. Named uh-huh. man of the match, and straight after that we gave you your Warrior of the Month award for yeah, yeah. performance. Um, uh-huh. throughout the few, the few games beforehand I, I was looking back yeah. at some of the stuff and it was you know 
I was looking back at some of the stats and, and you'd, you'd made, you know, the most tackles or the most carries for, you know, or, or tied with, you know, I think you tied with a back one week for making mm-hmm. the most amount of carries and things like that. Like <laughs> just had a, it just all kind of clicked, didn't it? Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's coming down to that game, you know, getting the games in and I guess once you go from one game, you play not bad. The next game you play that wee bit better and then the next game you play even, even more better, you know, but, um, that was a great time, great period, and then unfortunately ended. Um, I think I came off the bench against Leinster, and I got absolutely nailed on the on the hip, so um, and dropped the ball as well. So that wasn't a great. That's <laughs> like the first five minutes when I came on. So yeah, uh, no, it wasn't a wasn't a great end to that to that season. Um, and I think well, that was that was last year, wasn't it? So yeah, um, and then we're pretty much once I got fit again, we're. Um, scuppered by the old COVID thing, you know, so um, that brings us into now. It was hip surgery you had, wasn't it, off the back of that tackle? Yeah, it was my hip. Um, I, I tore my labrum in my hip and had some bone uh, bone bruising, um, which is pretty, if anyone's ever had bone bruising before, it's quite a, it's quite a long process to get over because it's always sore. Yeah. Um, and until you rest it and actually give it a bit of, um, a bit of downtime, it doesn't actually get better. Yeah. It'll just continue getting worse. So, um, yeah, I got that done, got the labrum taken out, um, the bone shaved, um, and it felt great straight after the operation. I had more range in my hip because uh, that was something I struggled with, um, was kind of having loads of movement in my hips. Yeah. Uh, so, it's feeling a lot better now, which is good. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, I can continue to, to stay that way. Yeah, because again, this season you started stringing some games together, and I guess right at the start we had the you had, you had the COVID hiccup where you had you were a close contact. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah, yeah, fourteen yeah. days. Um, but but since then, as you know, as we kind of alluded to at the start there, talking about your running lines the last few weeks and things like that, like again, you're you're starting to to kind of I guess pick up build momentum again, aren't you? Yeah, I think I think it's almost like where I'm picking up where I left from last season. Um, that's where I'm looking at and hoping to kind of keep a good good string of games going and, and keep form up as well. Um, obviously, playing against Exeter, it's hard to, to play well when you're when you're constantly on the back foot. But you've just got to take that one on the chin and and we build from it and get going. It's it's frustrating now, obviously, with the whole um, isolation thing from from after the Exeter game, but. Um, that's another hard thing with not being able to continue training and continue playing. So we're due to have another game on Saturday, but I don't think that'll be going ahead for us. So yeah. it's unfortunate. No, it's tough. And you mentioned the extra game there. Now, uh, obviously, what wasn't the result we were looking for at all. Mm-hmm. But and for you as well, a bit of change up in position, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. injuries. You moved to yeah. six. Danny was asked about it after the game, and, and he, he spoke about how, again, you've kind of spoken about it already, but your ball carrying and your athleticism kind of lend yourself mm-hmm. to being being a six a little bit. So mm-hmm. was was that something that – have you ever played six before? Is it something that – I think the only time I've ever played six was in school, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was just no one knew what they were doing. So we just uh, – the big tall guys would go at the back um, or push in the scrum and that's it and jump mm-hmm. in the line out. Um, but I always kind of fancied playing six. Yeah. But it was su- such a competitive position as well, especially at the club. Like back row is just different world. You've got so many class players. You know, you've got 
international players and your, your club captain, he's a six and um, got Matt, Matt Ferguson, you got Chris Vassaro, Tom Gordon, all those, but Rob Harley as well. Like, there's just so many names that I could ring off that yeah. are quality players that compete in those positions every week. Yeah. Um, Tom Gordon as well, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I managed to play my first game at six and I got 80 minutes. Um, but it was a weird one. It wasn't the kind of, it wasn't the game that you would want to play six in yeah. because, you know, you, you're getting absolutely smacked in, in carries and, um, I guess, hitting a lot of rucks. Yeah. So there wasn't a, a great amount of attacking ball that we could do much with. Um, but other open games, I guess, um, if I get selected at six, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, other games, open games will be good fun, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'd put your hand up again, and, and yeah, I'll definitely give it another, give it another go. Yeah, aye, saves your head being squeezed in the second row, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I've said to a couple of boys, it's weird coming off the pitch not having sore lugs, you know. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really conscious, Kieran, that I promise you this would be short, and we've we've run way over. So, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I'm sure Sky will be wanting you to go and play with her. So, she's itching at the bit. I think. <laughs> I'm going to ask you just one final question. So, you'll have been at the club, I think, about five or maybe even six years by the time this yeah. current contract ends. Obviously, you renounced your re-signing uh, just after mm-hmm. lockdown ended. Like, yeah. what would you like to have achieved? Uh, during that time, by, by the time we come to the end of that contract, um, obviously, obviously another contract is clear. Yeah, that's yeah. I'd love to love to stay in, stay at home and um, home club. It's, it's it's an amazing feeling being part of the club because it's your home club, um, and it is a it is a prestigious club. You know, like what you know over the last while from where we've come to. I know we've had a bit of bit of a dip in form, but um, you know we can. We can bounce on and come back to our, our usual selves. I'm sure, positive of that. Um, but yeah, I think like getting as many caps as possible. That would be that would be awesome. You know, not that far off getting 50 caps. So um, another 20 or so to go. And um, I guess it's just um, a cap is just chasing a number. But um, with those caps comes with comes experience and. Um, experience in different competitions as well so European games big games um, and then see what happens maybe we can push on to something something bigger and better but who knows what that might be um, you know it would be awesome to play for Scotland but whether that happens down to is down to me essentially playing well and um, consistently playing well and then getting selected And but who knows that would be the dream that would be, that'd be cool yeah, well, well, I'm certain. I'm sure the way that you're going, fifty caps is certainly not far off at all. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> who, knows, who knows from there? Um, but right, yeah. thank you very much, Kieran, for joining awesome. me. Awesome. You know, good chat to you, man. Good nah, chat to you. Um, we'll leave you to it. Ha- have a good Christmas when it comes, uh, and we'll see you soon. Likewise, mate. you too. Cheers. All the best, mate. Cheers. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.